You're listening to Were You Still Talking? <laughs> Feel free to abbreviate. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, welcome back. This is Joel Albrecht, and you are listening to Were You Still Talking? Today in my studio, or as, you know, everyone knows by now on the Zoom, I have Justin Alcala. He is a novelist, nerdologist, and Speculative Literature Foundation Award finalist. He's the author of three novels, including Consumed, The Devil in the Wide City, and Dim Fairy Tales. His short stories have been featured in dozens of magazines and anthologies, including It Snows Here, Power Loss Anthology, The Offering, Rogue Planet Press Magazine, and The Lantern Quietly Screams, Cast About Literature. When he's not burning out his retinas in front of his computer, Justin is a tabletop gamer, blogger, folklore enthusiast, and time traveler. He's an avid quester of anything righteous, from fighting dragons to acquiring magical breakfast eggs from the impenetrable grocery fortress. Impregnable. I knew I was going to mess that up. <laughs> How you doing, Justin? <laughs> good. Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. You have a, uh, you have a very interesting um, writing, writing career going on here and a lot of, lot of cool books. You know, it's about it's yeah, it's about as weird as uh, you can get as far as the cornucopia. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's different, uh, but it's in a genre that people seem to be very attracted to. How long have you, how long have you been writing? Because you seem to have a lot of of stuff out there. I've been writing professionally for a good ten years. I have ten been years. a closet case writer for about fifteen. Uh, oh, okay. Since the old college days, I don't want to uh, make let people figure out how old I am. But <laughs> so you started yeah. out writing in the closet. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, I would write. I was actually, uh, strangely enough, going to be a police officer, um, and I was writing wow. on the side. And uh, somehow I decided that's a horrible idea for me. I'm a skinny, <laughs> nerdy-looking guy who I think uh, any bad guys could just mop the floor with me. So I chose the uh, the right side of the force and went with something where nerds are loved, uh, writing. Nice. So <laughs> nice. Here we are. That's awesome. Well, how did you... Uh, do you write every day? Every that's day. Every day. I, wow. Okay. I would, that, would, that would be the first thing I recommend when people occasionally ask me i have mm -hmm. a book coming out how much do you write you have to write every day please yeah that's good i've asked a couple other authors that and they don't always write every day they always say i, I would like to but I, I yeah that seems like a really important part of writing yeah and the caveat to that is i work from home a lot of when i didn't work from home i 100 percent understand where people cannot write every day real life gets in the way Ugh. Yes. far too much yes far too much but if you're writing full time, it's I mean, it looks like you put out a lot of stuff. You have a blog, you write short stories, you write novels, and they um, they're all pretty much uh, fact based history. Uh... No, I'm making that up. You you you're 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 kind of right. <laughs> uh, you know, I do like history a lot. In fact, I'm mm -hmm. uh, working on something right now. Uh, we're working on a title, but Shakespeare versus Cthulhu, uh, which is a lot of research that you have to do. Um, but other things, we, we've I've had to do research on the she in Ireland. We we had an opportunity, my wife and I, to go to Ireland, do a lot of research there, uh, take some tours. Uh, I like to take because I'm a nerd. I like to take a lot of the history, 
write about it, twist it a little bit, and then um, drop the weird on it. Um, drop the weird or the supernatural, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah everything from like, yeah. magical realism to demon tentacles with the screaming, uh, screaming Jay Hawkins voices. Uh, it, it's it's all uh, it, it's all out there. So um, I I would say I combine my my love for history with my bizarre fascination for everything uh creepy that's that's what i do in a nutshell that's that sounds like a lot of fun though i mean it's um it's something i noticed in reading about you is that you do you do research your novels a lot and that seems like it would make it a, a lot more fun um so you you do like uh history and finding out about all your different subjects yeah, you probably you probably can't tell because I completely slab it with butter and and then uh, start writing the weirdness, which probably drowns out the historical facts. But a lot of the historical facts that I have in books, uh, I had to do. Uh, I have a dead end job who's coming out uh, soon, um, and that I had to do a lot of work on John Dillinger because in the book he is a vampire. Um, so you got to learn a lot of cool stuff about John Dillinger that I hadn't previously known. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll write about it, you'll put it in there, and it'll be more of a little bit of a uh, accoutrement, a little bit of a salt and pepper on top of the rest of the plot. But it's, it, I try to put as many um, facts in there as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty interesting about him being a vampire. Where did you come up with that research? Who, who included you? <laughs> What is this PG thirteen rated R? You gotta tell me that first, because <laughs> this is a funny story. Oh, this is what? Yeah, it, it's kind of most of them are are not PG thirteen. Okay, well, let it's, me tell you, know. you how it started. So I'm originally from Chicago. I mm -hmm. live in the South now. Uh, how I got here is a whole nother epic uh, tale. But I grew up, lived in Chicago my whole life, pretty much, and. Um, about one of those crazy days when, uh, you know, buddies and I were in college, a uh, buddy from the army, he, uh, he wanted to go out night on the town downtown. Um, so we went to this uh, bar that's really old. And um, I went out with him for a smoke break because uh, it was about that time when cigarettes were being kicked out of bars. And uh, I said, man, I'm dying. I'm going to go in the alley. I have to go use the washroom. So my wife's going to kill me. I'm telling the story on, on air. <laughs> Anyhow, so I'm going and I'm doing my business. And suddenly right behind me, a crowd of 10 people comes out and I'm trying to hide behind trash cans. And they're talking about, well, here we are, folks. Here's where John Dillinger was shot down dead. This alley. Oh, man. I nice. was peeing on the spot, right? Where poor <laughs> John Dillinger had gone down. And then I started doing my research then. And, and uh, that was about the time when I realized he was kind of a cool character. Um, and then when I came back to writing a dead-end job, um, I needed a local Chicago uh, figurehead and John Dillinger is one. Of, everyone thinks of you know Al Capone when you think of the good stuff or DuSable. Um, John Dillinger was a big piece of Chicago history, so I went to him and found out that there's he was on the road so much there wasn't much known. But some of the interesting things was he loved coming back to Chicago. He was actually a Cubs fan. I'm a Sox <laughs> fan, but uh, White Sox fan. But uh, <laughs> he was actually a big Cubs fan. He used to come back all the time. He just couldn't help himself. He uh, he would try to stay low, but every time he came to Chicago, he'd uh, he'd come out for nights on the town, and uh, it's eventually how he got caught. Uh, but yeah, John Dillinger, what a 
interesting figure uh, throughout history. And I really recommend anyone who uh, loves history, check them out. There's a lot of things that you don't know about him. Probably a lot of people know nothing about him. He was a um, he was a bank robber, right? Isn't that that's mostly right? What he did. There, he he liked to rob banks. Yes, there is a semi factual movie about it uh, that Johnny Depp plays him. Um, oh yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but yeah, um, it wasn't that good, right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. that great because it was, as you say, semi factual. He was, and he, and he was. Um, you know, they didn't sell me on it. Uh, this is maybe where the writer comes out, but like he was kind of a rogue and he was kind of uh, parts of him. He could be, um, we'll call him a jerk face, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Stearns. but uh, he also was a charming figure. He also had a, a spot for charity um, and, and he kind of was a 1920s prohibition, well, 30s, I should say, uh, Robin Hood. Um, and, and so you could take it both ways. He's breaking laws. He did kill one person. He did some bad things. But uh, there's also a lot of good things that he was doing, and he was kind of a maverick and a bravo and very charming. That's how he got he wiggled out of prison twice, pretty much, uh, was through his charm. But he was a real cool character. He was a, a, a product of his time. It was a broken time. People were poor. Um, and you know what, eventually some people, I don't agree with it. They, they, crime was the only way that they can, they could survive. And so he did. But, right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, for the time, for the people he, for the crowd in Chicago at that time, only one person, um, being killed is, well, that's a pretty low number because like you mentioned Capone, he, he's got a few more than that racked up. Not oh only yeah. The, not only the personally killed, but also that he told people to kill. So yeah, that's Dillinger was a, a different breed. And I'm sure I always think these gangsters must have been charming to become that famous. Like there was yeah. something about them that people had to have liked, you know, to to that got them to be because there was right. tons of there was a lot of them. And we only right. know about like a, a handful of them. There was a lot of them out there. Right. So, yeah. They they had their shtick, all of them, but uh, you know, they were more than bumbling fools, but um Dillinger was definitely, he, he was a sly cat. Um, I wonder what, if he was born another time, what he would be. Right. <laughs> you wonder. Maybe he would have been a a, um, a techie. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would, <laughs> that would be something. That would be. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, history, love to, love to trickle it into all of my writing. Mm-hmm. And you got to go, did you go to England to, um, to you know, work? We, no, we did no? not get to go to England. Um, no? It's on my list because, like I said, I am a big nerd and I wanted to go there and dress up like a knight and let my sure. wife pretend like she was a princess and all those other, <laughs> all those <laughs> other horrible things that English people hate us for. Um, and uh, no, we did not have the opportunity though, because my wife was in med school and um, she had to get right back. This was our pseudo honeymoon. She had oh, to get wow. right back to, uh, we ran to Ireland, um, enjoyed a couple of days there, drove around, then we had to get right back. But to this day, I'm like, I want to go to England, uh-huh. uh, but it's just not in the cards just yet. We will someday, hopefully, when all this craziness dies down. But did not get to go. Yeah, that's always been uh, one of my bucket list places. That seems like a really cool. There's yeah. so much. Uh, my there. bucket well, list Ireland is growing, too. especially yeah. now that everyone's crammed in houses. Uh, 
<laughs> it does make you, you want start to start regretting the more. places you didn't go to. But uh, England, uh, it'll definitely, it, it'll, it'll, I'll get there. Are you still with me? Your your uh, your video froze. Oh, I think I lost you. Okay, I'm just gonna hang here a minute, and I'll edit this out later. Darn it! I hate it when this happens. I think you'll pop back in. So, sorry for that little interruption, gentlemen and ladies. We are back. This is still. Were you still talking? And I still have Justin on the phone, or whatever this is. Whatever this high tech <laughs> stuff is. <laughs> so, and I want so do you uh, obviously you have some favorite gangsters do you have any favorite authors and I don't just ask you this because you're an author I ask everyone this oh <laughs> uh, yeah big time actually I have uh, quite a quite a few authors that uh, really have a a real close warm place in my heart um, obviously first we'll go with the big boys uh, Neil Gaiman has become uh, very special to me um, not just because of his fantastic writing, which might I add is impeccable, um, mm -hmm. but also just his uh, philosophy, not only on writing, um, but he's a philanthropist as well. And he's just a fantastic human being that you, you know, I think every author aspires to be uh, as well. Uh, also, Andrew Smith. Um, Andrew Smith. Um, he is fantastic. He writes, um, he writes a lot of either farcic or young adult um, fiction. Uh, he's actually got a movie coming out, Grasshopper Jungle. Um, I think it's in the works still. We'll see what's going on with all this craziness. Uh, but he is a teacher by day uh, and a um, writer by night. And um, he has such a fantastic voice. I've never heard anyone narration wise who's just nailed 12 to 13 year olds in such a special way. And he is bold about telling you uh, what the protagonist feels. Uh, the things that we as kids all kind of ran through, but didn't don't want to ever admit ourselves uh he's great about it nice tempo uh and just because he's such a smart man uh man can he write cleanly uh christopher moore is a big fan i'm a big fan of his uh, i have entire shelves committed to christopher moore and he is another one of those uh witty sarcastic writers who can just write so cleanly it's ridiculous but also I just create these fantastic characters who are hilarious. He knows how to use uh, humor and harness it as a great weapon. Uh, but um, he also um, he also delivers a story at the end. By the end of it, you you learn a lesson. Uh, Maggie Steinvater, uh, she writes the uh, the Raven Cycle, I believe it's called. Uh, I, I know I call it the Raven Boys. Um, she's fantastic. She is incredibly intelligent, and she also is big time into Welsh and uh, Celtic lore, and has just put a spin on uh, a modern fairy tale that you you, you wouldn't even believe. Um, and then also, I have my my um, teenage and teenage and uh, college years favorites. Jim Butcher's fantastic, A, because he writes about magic in Chicago. How, how could that hurt? But B, he does have a great sense of humor. And uh, I, I write a lot like him. I'm not a Tolkien-esque writer. I'm not going to write, um, you know, who wrote their initials in the chalk uh, on the sidewalk. Uh, you're not going to get all the details <laughs> about what, what the 
where they harness their, you know, their, their energy or uh, where they grow their crops. I like a good story, nice and clean, very basic plot. Let's go with it. Have fun throughout the thing. That book is done. Boom. You can get through a Jim Butcher book in a couple hours. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, there, there is a merriment of other people that I, uh, that I know um, that I'm missing, but just fantastic authors. Uh, I, I have to say Erin Morgenstern. Uh, she's I've written only a, a few books, but whatever – books she has written their perfection you probably know her from the night circus um she's incredible uh her stories are just uh, they will put your mind at ease you almost want to fall asleep but in a good way because of how cozy they make you um and she just is a master of using words uh the most perfect way she can write a clean short sentence and by the end of it uh you read those five words she might have uh, written in, in your perfection. I wouldn't have worded it any other way. I wouldn't have added anything or subtracted anything. She just knows how to write a clean, soft, uh, comforting narration. She's amazing. Those are some of my many. I think I have about a thousand others I could give you, but those, those are the, that's the pantheon of Justin uh, when it that's comes nice. to authors. <laughs> nice. That's great. So how, when you're writing a book, um, let's see, what's the, what's the way to word this? How many times do you write it? Like, do you finish a book and you think it's ready to go? Uh, or do you finish a book and think, you know, I need to start the rewrite right now or how does, yeah. how does that, yeah. How does that... I'll give you the abbreviated version because I think this is where authors kind of have this, um, this controlled madness, this, this, uh, they're, they're just all a little bit nuts and we're all a little bit nuts in our own way when we write. Um, and my way is I will initially just poof, explode onto the paper. I have an idea. I'm going nuts. I'm writing every day. I'm going through chapters, another chapter. Don't go back. Don't look back. Just keep going forward. And about two, three months into it, I finally have a plot. I finally have a story and I've completed, uh, you know, 80,000 words for a good novel. If that's, if that's what I'm looking to do. Uh, and then from there, that's when the real craft begins. Then you go back and you're going to write that story um, minimal about five times. You're going to go through it about five times, clean everything up, uh, put hooks together, uh, make sure things make sense. Um, you're going to cry because of how embarrassing um, your, your writing is at the time. That's when you're really hard on yourself as you should be. Uh, those are the, those are times I'm usually pretty crabby, uh, because I'm like, what am I thinking? What am I doing here? When I, when I, uh, write these things, <laughs> I try to contain it. Uh, and then from there, you're going to give it to a proofreader. Um, I have a proofreader, a fantastic, um, company, uh, I've been working with for a while, uh, at an eye, um, they, they are fantastic. And then when I'm done with that, I will start pitching it, uh, to, certain publishers and agents that I want to get to. Um, and I'll try to get that on their door. And then from there, if they like it, they say, all right, here's a contract. Then they're going to go ahead and put it through their butchers and their editor. Oh, yeah, okay. And, so, then, so and they're then gonna, the real fun begins. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to set you up with an editor if they like it, if they want to publish it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know too many publishers who do not have an in-house editor who mm -hmm. starts really because their editor's job is make this as 
marketable, sellable, enjoyable, most importantly, as possible for readers. And sometimes you, re- you write something 10 times, you're completely oblivious to some facts, some things that a reader might say, oh, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it's very humbling. It is very humbling uh, <laughs> once you get it to your editors, but it, they are also, you know, to, 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 to write, uh, to write is fantastic, but to edit is divine. They're, they're what makes a book fantastic by the end of it. It's true. I've read a lot of scripts in their rough stages and a lot of times you have no idea what's going on. Uh, like the writer knows <laughs> <laughs> the writer wrote it. They understand the story, but you're just looking at it, going, "So what's what's what is this? What? <laughs> Did your little cousin get a hold of this?" Right? Well, no. Exactly. Oh yeah, what it's so embarrassing heck? sometimes. What? what um, is- <laughs> yes, it is really bad in the raw stages because if you, for me, I can only speak for me. There are mm-hmm. authors out there who are just uh, fantastic opposites. If I stop, if I do. You know, it's the wily e. coyote keep running off the cliff. Um, I believe Neil Gaiman said this. Um, keep running off the cliff and don't look down because the second you look down is when you fall. Um, you can't stop. You've right. got to keep going with your plot and your ideas. And even if it is brutal, you can go back later. You start going back every day and check it, redo that chapter. Um, you're never going to finish. You're never going to finish your story because you are going to start beating yourself up early and you're going to lose your vision. Uh, for sure, that, that has happened to me several times and I don't let it happen uh, anymore because I just keep going. And then when I go back, when I'm done, that's when, uh, <laughs> that's when I start to get embarrassed. But at least I finished it first. And that totally makes sense to me that while you're, while you're creating, you've got, to let your, you know, you've got to let that creation kind of come out and... And once you're done, you can make it palatable for someone else. But it's for you. You just got to get it out, right? It's, right. I mean, yeah. a sculptor, right? The first time they make a figure, it's a head that looks like, you know, a grayling alien. And uh, right. that's misproportion, <laughs> hunchback. But they're just getting that base down. And then mm-hmm. that's when the real magic happens. I think, you know, you can use that very cheesy analogy with writing as well. Um, it's it's definitely the later reviews that get the book finished. Well, I used to work a long, long time ago. I worked as a production assistant in animation, and when they oh, so you know, <laughs> so I know when they would you know start a when they would give you a character st- sketch or the first storyboards bef- before the, I mean, basically the guy who does the storyboards doesn't ink them; he just kind of sketches them. I could I could not make heads or tails out of them, and then you know. <laughs> Then they have an, a, another person come in behind and, and draw the character like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. It's like you got to yes, exactly. just get the story and then shape it out. You get it. You yeah. get it. Ugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Been doing this a while. Uh, and have you always, like, have you always liked to research stuff? Or is that something you got more drawn to when you became, when you started writing books and short stories? Or were you really into research even before that? Man, that's a great question. You know, you're the first person that's ever asked me that question. And that is fantastic. Uh, That is, I think, 
I'm like chalkboarding while I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, so um, you didn't have the answer for that one. I down. don't have the answer for that. Uh, I'm, I'm ad libbing here. I think what happened was um, I am also a big nerd when it comes to tabletop gaming. And mm-hmm. uh, you can't run a good story. Um, you can't tell about, you know, the, the knockoff Lord of the Rings group who's adventuring through your made up land. If you don't know the rules. So, oh yeah, okay. you have to know the lay of the land. You have to know this fake history that's going on uh, before you can put heroes into their great quest. Uh, and I think I've been gaming for so long uh, since I was like 11 or 12 um, that that just maybe became a fundamental, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't break the rules until you know what the rules are. You can't, uh, tell about new history until you know what old history is. So, uh, and it also, it, it makes it more believable later. Um, if someone who might know something about history says, yes, that is true. I know that I read that. And it makes you a little bit more plausible. And not everything is made up. You you want to use as much reality in your fiction as possible. So then when you twist it and get to the real weird stuff, uh, you know, the uh, Archangel Michael running around nude with his ding-dong dingling all over the place uh, throughout Chicago. And people are saying, what the hell is going on here? Um, <laughs> that uh, you gave them enough realism first for them to be like, okay, this is fun. Uh, compared to just making up everything as you went along. We're still with you. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of strange shows um, on all the different media that's out there now, uh, Netflix and HBO, etc. And so I'm, I think the audiences are kind of used to that stuff now. Yeah, uh, it's getting I, to be yeah, the norm. <laughs> it's getting to be the norm. I, I was a big Lost fan um, long after Lost was on, but uh, Lost was a good example of that kind of deal where it seems like a real world but then it's not now i'm watching the leftovers which is the same one of the same writers uh i don't know if you've ever seen that but the same kind of thing you you, it's it's like it's reality but what but what what's going on here and completely yeah weird stuff starts happening let me sell you on the relatable let me sell you on what you understand and then i can twist it just a little bit to start giving you some weirdness but you're already invested you already feel this fundamental um understanding of the world i've introduced to you yeah that's it's starting to become a lot more classic uh but it's a great avenue for then springing on uh, a lot of creative ideas i i personally love it so have you ever thought of selling uh, a book to tv or movies or has that come up yet uh, you know, there's been a couple. I'm actually um, doing a couple audio books right now um, mm-hmm. with a, a studio, uh, and they kind of ask the same thing. And I have personally not thought about it, um, but it, mostly also because a lot of your books have contracts that say, hey, I'm the publisher. If I see someone who's interested in a TV thing or something like that, I'll reach out to them and let you know. Uh, oh, okay. So it shuts down okay. some of it. Um, I think agents are better. Um, I, I'm currently in between agents. Um, agents are a little bit better about trying to find an opportunity. But mm-hmm. it, it would be fun. I always, uh, I always think about that. Like, holy crap! Could someone, could someone put this onto a screen? How would they do that? 
and, and you know, you, you trust in uh, other artists, producers and whatnot. Um, but I think I, I have a couple books that I, I'd be really curious to see how, how it would look on screen just because of how weird I can get sometimes. But it's, in, yeah, it's interesting because that's more and more, I wouldn't say the norm, but it, ha- you know, there's more and more sh- shows and movies like that. Well, obviously there's <laughs> biggest movies in the world are superhero movies. I don't think those are real. I don't think right. <laughs> Right. I don't think that's reality. But uh, I watched, I heard a John Grisham talking about the books that he sold before. In the very first book he sold, he was really upset about because the movie was nothing like the book. So um, he decided if he sold another book, which of course he has, he, he basically just walks away from it when he sells the books. And he's like, okay, the, the movie will be that their thing. And the book was my thing. And um it seems like it'd be hard to do, but it's a really good attitude. Uh, that's in a yeah, way. that's brilliant. You know, yeah, that's brilliant because, and you also have to trust another artist, right? Right. That's a big. I right. I wrote this thing that works. I, I wrote this uh, story that works really well on paper. I have to trust that someone who's qualified uh, to make movies, uh, to make shows understands that that might not work for a show you know you have to trust the other artists so i think that's a great idea and you know should should in the future i ever sell any scripts i think i might have to adopt that same philosophy because otherwise i think you'd be um you'd be a nervous wreck because you know it's it's not going to be exactly like you want it no way that's true that's true i mean he because he said they offered to let him be involved in the movie like he could come and watch the shooting and stuff and he said no no, yeah. no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and to take a big, you know, books books are usually pretty hefty. To take that and squish it down is that's got to be tough for the author of the book to kind right. of see uh, what they cut what they've cut up. I think my what wife and butchered? I would probably, yeah, my wife and I would probably sneak uh, some booze into the the um, the debut if they didn't have any. and go in the back and i think either way we'd find a way to enjoy ourselves because it would either be so good that we'd be like oh my god this is amazing this person did a great job or it would be so horribly bad that we would be having a great time just saying like what is going on here this is that no what happened here i think think that's a good attitude because yeah either way it should be fun if you if it's so ridiculous yeah if you're like no i mean i'll be honest afterwards like that is not my book but (laughs) uh, i had a great time watching it yeah (laughs) thanks for the checks right right, exactly (laughs) yeah i think we'd find a good time out of it no matter what right whether they do a good job or not you you get paid so, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. The find nice out, thing about know, it. Find Antonio Banderas is playing, you know, one of my ugly characters as Hollywood does. <laughs> oh, that's that is true. That's something that I you have to give up if you're going to watch a lot of movies because especially when they're about real people. They there's there's so many TV series and movies where they they turn these real people who were not all like most gangsters were not that great looking. I mean, I yeah, I think that's part ordinary of ordinary looking people, uh, right? Ordinary looking or not not you know scary looking or less than uh, or less not, than not conventionally <laughs> handsome. Exactly. You know? There you go, not conventionally <laughs> handsome. And when you turn that into a Hollywood star, it kind of takes away the the gravitas. You know, it's like wait a minute. Totally. It's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call out the shows uh, right now, but I just saw something where it's, 
just gorgeous uh, actress who's who's playing a scientist and and the detective is this dude who's you know got muscles whipping out of his muscles and I think it was based off of history and I'm like no I'm no call probably not that, that yeah. is that is not this is not realistic you guys are <laughs> taking things for granted here well they are trying to sell a product so I understand what yeah, they do it but, I understand you know, it, it's the like wrapping all... paper is important yeah. <laughs> Like all the police shows, there's 10,000 police shows on TV now, and every single cop is skinny and good looking. <laughs> the edgy bad oh, boy. Wait a minute. <laughs> not, I see cops every day almost. You know? Yeah, cops, no, no, I do too. And they're always in leather pants and full makeup and <laughs> yeah, exactly. cool leather jackets. That's the police. That's the police. That's here, them. Right? Yeah, they never <laughs> never eat gluten. Never. No, yeah. they are on diets. And, Come on. And on their right on their downtown, they they do push ups and surf. What's yeah. the big deal? What? Realistic people. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's hilarious. Jeez. Oh, I had some other questions for you. Now I forgot them. Uh, oh, uh, you seem to be pretty big on the social media sites. Is that something you do yourself? Or do you have people help you with that? Like you it, a... It's a labor of love. Uh, okay. It's both. It is both. Um, early on when you are an author, um, some jeez, uh, what's the name of the actual author who wrote it? Um I love technology. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen Pressfield. Dang it. I knew that. Uh, he wrote a great book called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit. Um, oh, nice. Nice. And what you can That's do good. about it. And uh -huh. I read it. And long story short, it's the truth. When you are first starting off, you need to be a writer, a marketer, an advertiser. And uh, early in my career, I all ready was in sales and marketing um when i kind of bled out from being police officers i brought uh brought up before um, while i was getting myself through college i was uh in hotels and eventually i upgraded to the um don't ask me why they did this i would never do it but they upgraded me to a sales and marketing manager they must have been <laughs> desperate <laughs> but, but so i learned some of the art of selling then and it comes down to the daily grind as well so when i started writing i understood i had a lot of buddies uh, who were writing who you know picked up and moved to california or new york to to write and um they were kind of as that old school hemingway thought i write i make beautiful art and then I leave it to the professionals to handle. But I kind of saw that the market was flooded and that nobody wanted to, you know, read a, a first time story person's um, writing. So I said, I'm going to have to hustle. So I chose the opposite. And I said, I'm going to fight for what I'm writing for. And so I got real aggressive. And what eventually happened after these 10 years is two things. One, publishers start to market for you. So you'll get, you'll get them involved as well. Mm -hmm. But two, you build up this habit that every day I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write, and then I'm going to take some time to say hello to somebody or, um, you know, ask, a, there's some fantastic people who make videos for us, some art uh, for me and um, requests from them. I'm going to blog. I'm going to do all these things that just have been built into a habit, something that you enjoy and feel a little bit awkward about if you don't. So it was that big snowball effect. Now I have uh, you know, quite a few people, publishers, 
and uh, just other marketers who do some work for me. But I would say I still do a lot of the heavy lifting. About half of it is me mm-hmm. uh, trying to blog and write. And I think it's just from habit. And as you get into it, this is for new writers, you know, um, you will get into that habit. Uh, and as you continue, one day you'll sit back and say, oh, look at that. I do have a lot of people who are reaching out for me and they're, wow, look at this person did art for me. And this person is writing a, a whole um, description for my, you know, some of my books or a video. That's fantastic, but I'm still going to do my thing as well, uh, which gets your voice out there as well. And I just like interacting with people, but you got to get to the grind, put in the work. And then suddenly before you know it, um, you, you know, someone says, Hey, I Googled your name the other day. And you're that's, all over the place. That's yeah. awesome. Re- that's really, really good advice. I mean, for not only for authors, but for anybody um, trying to put their, because podcasters are, you know, it's the same kind of, it's basically the same industry. Yeah, it's a dog fight. with our face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, there's a lot, suddenly there's a lot of us out there. Um, when I started, there was almost half as many and I didn't start very long ago. Oh, I know. It's it, so it, interesting. It's just exploding. But that idea to, uh, I mean, it's very difficult for me. And um, I just think that's really good advice for anyone, you know, to do as much as you can to self-promote and to, uh, you know, entertain people and, and get your, get the word out there that you exist. Uh, I might follow that advice. It, it takes time. I mean, it definitely it takes, takes time. time. Yeah. I, I definitely but, thought... I would be, after I wrote my first book, Consumed, I would give it to the publishers and they would say, how many millions? And uh, <laughs> and they'd fly me out and, you know, all the good stuff. And then I realized, like, no one knows who I am. And it's fair. Whereas in America alone, there's 300, you know, almost 50 million people. And then, you know, another couple billion everywhere else. No one knows who one guy is. I'm going to have to start every day calling out to it uh but but then you do see that you see that where other people are picking up for you uh and, and one of the great examples once again to bring up one of my favorite authors is andrew smith or neil gaiman neil gaiman started off writing sandman he was just another comic book guy um but look how many years he's been into it and suddenly you know the graveyard book uh later got picked up uh some of his other fantastic stories um you know good omens and now he's creating movies he's creating stories i mean he's a literary god in many ways um and same with andrew smith andrew smith was a teacher writing on the side put in 10 20 years and suddenly you know now he's winning uh, all sorts of uh, hardcore literary um uh, uh, awards and he doesn't have to lift a finger to to market anymore but he had to put that work in he definitely did yeah that, that it's very very uh, rare that an author comes out with a book and it gets bought by a publisher and it gets published and it sells. I mean, that's, that's not yeah, how, gone are the days. Gone how, are the days gone of Carrie. The day. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And a few, right. That just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, the, well, the author of, uh, um, those, the Harry Potter books, she sent that to yeah, like J.K. hundreds. Rowling, of, yeah. yeah. J.K. Rowling sent that to hundreds. Of, she was rejected like over and over and over and over. And, you know, finally somebody smart read it, I guess. And, and I think it did okay. It, it's, I hear, it, it, I, hear it. I, <laughs> I hear it's doing all right these days. She keeps plugging, oh, it. <laughs> she keeps plugging away. Yes, I'm always, I, I'm actually always amazed by the people who have a very strong social media presence and don't really have to. 
uh, I see, I follow several um, actors, band producers and directors, um, Ron Howard, uh, Russell Crowe, who they have no reason to be doing what they're doing on social media, but they have some really great, they, they seem to put a lot of time into it. And um, they're, they have some really encouraging stuff, fun stuff to, to, you know, check out. So that always has been interesting to me. It's like, I, wow. I appreciate, I always appreciate those people who do that. Um, and uh, what I love about it, I hope what happened was they said, hey, one day when I make it big, I'm not going to forget where I came from. And so that's why they keep talking about it right? Uh, or why they keep a... connecting with people. Yeah. Um, but, but also, you know, it, not to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not to take away from how cool that is that they connect with people. But I think you do as you continue to hear how fantastic you are or as you just become, an, you know, uh, a person that other people look up to, um, you can become disconnected. So I think it is good. As, as a actor, a producer, a writer, uh, keep interacting with, with, uh, with people because I think it's really easy to, to lose your identity once you get to those, uh, those levels of where just people are kind of telling you every day how amazing you are. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I would think it would be a really, really easy. And so I do appreciate when, you know, people who are obviously in a position that they don't need to talk to anybody. Um, right. I mean, the other side of that is they do have long stretches where they're in between jobs. So <laughs> absolutely. It's yeah, not like, true. It's not like when they're working 80 hours a day that they're, they're doing that. It's when especially now during you know, a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Right now then <laughs> suddenly Twitter is really busy. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, Justin, I've probably kept you on long enough. I know you, you might have other things to do with your life today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I think it's, uh, it's been, been a, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It's been been fun. Yeah, you've um, oh, gotten a lot great. of good stuff out of here. Yeah, please feel free. Um, connect with me. I'd love to, to go on again anytime. Uh, but um, I'll, I'll continue listening. You run a great show. And um, looking thank forward to, to hearing some of your other future guests. Oh, cool. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, you said something about you might have a reason to come on again in the, uh, the near future. You, That's right. Uh, yeah, I'll, keep, so. I'll, I'll keep people posted on all the, yeah. all, the, all the websites. But yeah, we go. have um, a, a, a new um, novel possibly coming out. Oh, and you have a great website. And what is oh, it? thank you. What is uh, it? It's just www.justinalcala.com. J-U-S-T-N-A-L-C-A-L-A.com. Um, there you go it's an easy one and you're yeah on, it's an easy one um, yeah, it's an easy one well, it has all the links and, and uh, of course that'll be in the show notes and everything so uh, let me wrap this up this has been were you still talking this is Joel Albrecht and I've been talking to Justin Ocala he is a writer and uh, nerdologist etc it's been a really good conversation again thanks a lot and I uh, hope you come back soon. Remember, if you like this show, don't be afraid to share it anywhere, anywhere you want. You can put up little flyers on uh, telephone poles even. Were you still talking? All right. Thanks a lot. And like I always say, be good to each other. And as I've been saying in recent weeks, be good to yourself. Thanks for listening. All right. That is it. Well, thank you so much. Uh...